All right. Thank you for the kind words. Um, I don't think I'm top two smartest, but it's okay. Uh, well, it's always a privilege to uh, preach and share God's word with you guys. And um, just want to start off by sharing, um, you know, I've been a UCLA fan for about almost 20 years now. And uh, this is the first year where I'm contemplating uh, just being a fair weather fan. You know, I, I, I love UCLA and I love college football and, you know, but this is the first year where I feel like, hey, there's some perks to being a fair weather fan, right? A fair weather fan is someone that, you know, when things are going really well, you're like, yeah, go UCLA, right? You know, you get those little banners on your cars and you like honk at people that have them as well. And you're just like so pumped up and, you know, when your team's winning, you're like, yeah, my team won today. You know, we killed your team. And, you know, you get to brag. And so there's a lot of perks to being a Fairweather because when it's doing well, you're, you're a part of it, right? You're on the bandwagon. But the other perk is that when you're not doing well, Fairweather fans just are like, nah, you know, I don't really care. You know, it's not a big deal. And so the other guys that want to get, like, brag to you because, you know, their team finally won, if you're a Fairweather, it doesn't matter. So they get more angry and you're like, oh, it's... You know, I don't really care about football that much. And, you know, I, I've been such a diehard UCLA fan for so long, and I really felt like this year was the year, right? And, you know, I think you feel that every year, but I, I really felt like this year everything was coming together. But it just, last week, you know, we lost, and we got killed, and I just felt like, do I really want to go through that heartache again, you know, where... You're just like so excited. The first three, four games, we were like killing teams and we're like, this is the year. I was thinking about getting a UCLA tattoo and I was man, this is it, right? But when they lost, I was like, okay, I'm too invested in this. I think, I, yeah, I really need to think about it. So I was really contemplating this. Should I be a fair weather fan? You know, I'd save myself the heartache, save myself the times of, of adversity where, you know, if I'm not as invested, then, you know, it doesn't hurt as much, right? Well, I share this story because, you know, Timothy is facing a similar crisis, uh, although it's a little bit more serious, right? It's the crisis of his faith, of his Christian walk. He's thinking of if he, sh if he should be a fair-weather Christian. You know, in the past few years, things have been going really well for him. You know, he was brought up and raised up in the church uh, in Christ, where his grandmother Lois, his uh, mother Lois, raised him up in the, in the gospel, and he was on fire for him. And even to the point where the apostle Paul saw him and thought, man, there's so much potential to this, to this child. And he's like, let me take him on my missionary journeys. And so he went with Paul on his missionary journeys. He saw the gospel uh, and the fire that Paul had when he was preaching, and he just saw the way God was moving in all the places and Timothy was just like on fire. He's like, man, the gospel is so alive. It's so amazing. And what we see up until 2 Timothy is that by then, he's been pastoring. He's a pastor of a church, a large church in Ephesus. And he's just, man, things are going so well. Things are going well for him. He's, he's winning in, in the sense of, you know, sports terms, right? But at this point now, when 2 Timothy is being written, he's experiencing a few losses. He's experiencing a few adversities. The Apostle Paul, the, the one that he'd consider to be a father in the faith, 
he went to jail. And this is not the first time he's been in jail, but this is most certainly going to be his last time. He's almost certain that this, Paul is almost certain that this is going to be the last time he's in jail, and this is going to lead to death. And so I, that, this is why he writes 2 Timothy. But people are now asking Timothy, hey, weren't you a follower of Paul? Weren't you really close with Paul and he's in jail? Do you really believe the same things that he does? And he's feeling this pressure like, oh, shoot, I'm going to be persecuted. I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be in prison if I keep saying that I believe and preach the same things that Paul preaches. And, there, and there's this pressure and there's this fear. Along with that, at the time, Emperor Nero, he was the Roman emperor known as you know, the Mad King, and he persecuted Christians. He had this one instance where he would light Christians on fire on poles and fill them with gas or put gas on them, and he would light them to light the walkways and the paths. And he's confronted with that persecution, and people are asking, do you believe the same thing that these Christians who are being burned believe in? And, they, and there's this pressure, right? And not only that, he's unsure of what he should do. Remember, Christianity at that time wasn't the large religion, the great religion that we know it to be, where it's just world-renowned, right? At the time, it was a small sect. Almost people would consider it to be a cult because it was small, it was growing. But people would hear things like, yeah, you know, they have these secret gatherings where they sing together and they eat the body and the flesh of Jesus Christ and they drink the blood of Jesus Christ and they would hear things like that. You know, think, man, that's a cult. What, what are they doing there? And so by fear of all these things, Timothy was just, he was experiencing these losses and he was confronted with the idea of, man, should I just step back a little? Should I not be as fanatical? Maybe I was just I should just go to church on Sundays. Maybe it's too much to pastor. Maybe it's too much to serve so often as I do and put in the Wednesdays and the Fridays. Maybe I should just do the Sunday thing. And when people ask me, do you really believe in these things that Paul believed in, what the Christians who are persecuted believe in? Maybe I should just say, well, you know, everyone believes a lot of different things, but you know, I'm not as extreme as them because if I do that, if I take a step back, if I'm a fair weather fan, yeah, I can experience all the good stuff when Christianity is doing well, but I can get away from all the adversity. You know, I can worship God when it's comfortable. And when it's hard, I could just say, you know, that, that's just not me. I, I'm not a part of that. And so he was confronted with that. And so 2 Timothy is written to Timothy. Paul is writing this to Timothy because he knows that Timothy is wavering, that he's struggling in his faith, and he wants to encourage him. And this is what he says to him in verse 8 of chapter 1. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. You know, Paul tells Timothy, don't be embarrassed of the gospel. You know, when people ask you what you believe, don't be embarrassed to proclaim the gospel. Don't be embarrassed to pray in front of people who don't know Christ. Don't be embarrassed and ashamed of the gospel. Now, what's really important about this verse is we have to know what they mean by the word ashamed, okay? When we define the word ashamed, ashamed actually means to be disgraced for something that is properly deserving of being disgraced, okay? So it's not being embarrassed about something that's right, uh, but it's being properly disgraced about something that's wrong. Okay, so the example that I have is this. This will help clarify. Back when I was in high school, I used to be part of this really cool car club, right? 
It was called G Racing, all right? And it was kind of cool because it's like you're OG and, you know, when you say it, gracing, it's like, you know, you're, we're gracing you with our presence, right? And it's kind of embarrassing. I tell people about it and every time Janet just rolls her eyes and she's just like so embarrassed about it. I thought it was cool until I met Janet and I, she would just be embarrassed about it. Now, you know, I'm like, oh, is it not as cool as I thought it was? Because, you know, I, I had this cool, you know, Acura Integra. It was black. I had lowered it. I had all these sparkly lights on it. So it would like strobe and it would be really loud, right? I had this muffler. It wasn't even the full like exhaust. It was something that was called all show, no go, meaning it's not fast. It's really slow. But when you look at it, it looks really cool, right? And so I'd walk around or drive around and turn on other people's alarms by revving really loud. It goes boom, boom, and then he goes, wee, wee, and then you would drive off. And you know, this is high school stuff. But I thought we were really cool. You know, we had a car club, we had all our friends involved. I know some of you guys were involved with that kind of stuff. But anyhow, I thought it was really cool. But now I share it and I'm really embarrassed, right? I I'm sharing it right now and I'm like, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I wasted all my time and resources and all that stuff on this. And this is what it means to be properly ashamed, right? Ashamed for something that when you look back on it, it's like, wow, why did I do that? That was really embarrassing, okay? And so Timothy right now, what he's struggling with is, okay, I'm giving all my time to church. I'm, I'm pursuing the Lord and I'm being persecuted. Is this worth enduring? At the end of my life, am I going to look at this time when I was involved with this cult and am I going to say, man, I can't believe I was involved with that cult. I can't believe I spent so much time doing that. That was so embarrassing. I, that's what he's struggling with. And so Paul, to encourage him, he's saying, do not be ashamed. And as, as the reason why he gives, he says, this is why I'm not ashamed, okay? He, he shares it in verse 12. Verse 12 says, which is why I suffer as I do, but I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. He's saying, I believe that God will be able to uh, guard what has been entrusted to me, okay? God has entrusted the gospel to Paul, and basically he's telling Timothy, I know who I believe. I know that God the God who is the God of the entire universe, the God who has called me, the God who has saved me, the, guy, the God who has uh, called me to be a pastor, an apostle, a teacher, the God who has uh, shown me by the grace of Jesus Christ that it's not by my works, but solely by his work on the cross. This gospel, this, I know this God, and I know that he's going to protect this 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 deposit. I know that he's going to protect this gospel, meaning that at the end of my life, it won't, the gospel will not fade, meaning that at the end of my life, the gospel will not uh, fade away, that it will not be something that we look back on and say, I can't believe I was a part of that, but God himself will protect, that he will guard and hold that deposit for us. That none of us here will say, Oh man, I can't believe I gave so much of my life to the church. You know, I can't believe I spent Wednesdays doing Bible studies or, or communities. I can't believe I spent, I don't know, my uh, vacation days going on missions. I can't believe I spent this money giving to tithes. I can't believe I did all this. 
Ah, man, that was so embarrassing. I was so fanatical back then. You know, I can't believe when people asked me about Christ, I was so pumped up and bold to share Christ. Ah, that's so embarrassing. That will not be the case. That's what Paul's telling Timothy. At the end of your life, when you see what you've done for Christ, you will not be ashamed because that is the proper way to give your life to the gospel. You know, my, the car crew that I was involved in, it was cool at the time, but it was embarrassing later on when I look back on it. The gospel might be embarrassing now. You might face persecution. You might face hostility. You might face shame. You might face opposition now, but in the end, you will be rewarded. That you will say, man, that was so worth it. You won't say, I can't believe I spent so much time. You'll say, man, I wish I spent more time proclaiming the gospel. I wish I spent more time proclaiming the truth about what Christ has done for me. And so he says, be, do not be ashamed because God will guard the good deposit. God will guard the gospel all the way to the end. It will not fade. It will not stumble. It will not fail. And this is the encouragement that he has for us. You know, I think this truth is really relevant for us who live in a culture where it's very similar to here where it's easily it's easy to be shamed by what you believe right though the culture as a whole wants to shame christians if you do anything that's considered uh you know offensive to the world or what they believe or you know that it's easy to fall uh embarrassed for what you believe because of the hostility because of uh the oppression or uh, the, the shame that people bring upon people who say that they believe in Jesus Christ. And to this, uh, Paul is saying, do not be ashamed. Endure the suffering. It's not run away from the suffering. He says, endure the suffering. You know, whether Christians are the you know, butt of media jokes or people say, oh, Christians are too fanatic or you know, don't be too Tim Tebow, right? That's, that's way too Christian. But just be the average Christian, you know, maybe just go to church on Sunday, you know, and be nice. And that's all that you should be doing. But don't give up too much because at the end of it, you're going to be like, ah, I committed too much to the church. Paul says that's not going to be the case. Give your life to the gospel. Know that in the end, you will not be ashamed. At the present time, you might face hardships. You might face opposition. You might face shame. But in the end, have the confidence as Paul is sharing. And know who we believe. We believe in God, the protector of the gospel, our Savior, the one who's called each and every one of us to guard the good deposit, the gospel, each and every one of us. And it says, do not be ashamed, right? Now, Paul not only tells us not to be ashamed, but he tells us to guard the gospel. He says to protect it. Let's look at verse 14. He says, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, Guard the good deposit entrusted to you, right? The good deposit, the gospel has it entrusted to you. He says, guard it to protect it. To guard something in biblical times, what it meant was uh, it would refer oftentimes to the shepherds, right? The shepherds who would guard their sheep, right? who, who had to protect them. And it, it has the idea of being vigilant, that you do not you know, lose sight of each sheep that you have. And that you're constantly watching over them, you know, because there's so many things that you have to be uh, weary of, uh, wild animals, uh, the, the inclement weather, uh, the, 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 uh, the dangerous terrain. And in all of this, he says to be vigilant and to constantly keep guard and to watch over him. 
And to guard someone's deposit, as, as uh, Paul says, God has given us this deposit. To guard someone's deposit was one of the highest responsibilities that you could have. It's that someone entrusts you with their most important possessions. It's kind of like, you know, when I go to Starbucks and, you know, I'm working on stuff and someone's next to me and they're like, hey, you know, I got to go to the bathroom. Can you watch my laptop? And I'm like, okay, all right, all right, go ahead, go to the bathroom. And at that point, I'm just like a hawk, right? When someone walks by, I'm just like, all right, so make sure, okay. You got to make sure because you are entrusted with this good deposit, right? Sometimes I forget what their face look like, so I'm like, oh, shoot, is that him? But anyhow, but we're entrusted to guard the good deposit, and especially with the gospel, God has entrusted each and every one of us to guard, to protect the gospel. And what that means, as we look in verse 13, is there's two ways that we're able to guard and protect the gospel, right? Verse 13, it says this, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. He says, follow the pattern of sound words. The idea, he says, follow the pattern of sound words is important, right? It's not just any words, it's the sound words. It's the ones that are true. He's talking about scripture, right? Follow the scriptures that are true. And when you say follow, there's two connotations, or there's two nuances of that. It's the things that you do, but it's also the things that you say, right? It's the things that you talk about, the words, making sure that you protect the gospel and its truth by what you say, but it's also by what you do. And what I mean by that is we have to know the word of God, so that when someone comes up to you, like a Jeho- Jehovah's Witness comes up to you and knocks on your door, says, hey, I want to share the good news about Jesus Christ. I want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to you. Do you know how to share the good news of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ to them? Do you know what aspects that they're talking about that you need to defend the truth of the gospel with? You know, if someone at, at work says, hey, you know, I heard... You know, Christians believe that homosexuality is a sin. Do you know how to respond to that? Do you know how, what scripture has to say about homosexuality? Do you know how to guard the truth of the gospel? When people say, do you really believe that there was a God that came on this earth and he rose from the dead? Do you really believe in, you know, a, a virgin having a child do you, you believe those miracles could really happen now in today's day? Do we know the truth? Because we first have to know the truth in order to defend the truth. That is one of the things when it says follow the pattern of sound words. We need to know the truth. But not only that, it's knowing it and it's also living it out, right? Because the way we live it out shows what we believe, right? You know, maybe someone at work is like, you know, I, he says that he's a Christian, but for some reason, you know, he doesn't live like the guys that are in the Bible, right? He doesn't say the things, or he really lives more like us than anyone else. And the, it's not, it, the way you speak about the gospel and the way you live the gospel doesn't match. You know, God calls us to not only speak the gospel properly, but to live out the gospel properly so that they would match. So that, you know, people aren't like, oh, yeah, I guess if I want to be a Christian, I just have to follow what this person does. All they do is just go to church, they give tithe, and everything else they could just kind of live however they want. 
You know, are we presenting the proper uh, model of what the true gospel represents in our lives, the way we interact, the way we speak, and live out our lives? Because this is the way we protect the gospel. The way we live shows what the gospel is all about. The way we speak shows what the gospel is all about. So not only are we called to not be ashamed, instead to take courage and endure suffering, but we're called to protect the gospel in our word and in our speech. Um, you know, as a fair weather fan, as soon as there's ad- adversity, uh, you see it. You can tell who they are because the banners come down. You know, they start, stop tweeting and stop status updates or whatever about how great their team is. You know, when someone brings up their team, they stop talking about it and they get quiet and it's not a big deal for them. You know, all of a sudden, they were once experts at breaking down each play, but after a while, they're just like, you know, I don't really watch that game anymore. It's not that fun. And they don't care. But the fan who is committed, right? The fan who is sold out, the fan who gives everything that they have, you know, they might not have a lot of money, but they still buy season tickets. You know, their team might not be doing well, but it's because of the refs. You know, they might not be doing well, but it's because the other team is cheating, right? They might not be doing well, but it's because next year is truly the year. That's, that's the committed fan, right? Regardless of what adversity comes, how many losses you see, no matter how much people attack their team, they're sold out, and they're, they're all for their team, and they're committed. Now, how much more... If we're so committed to teams and, 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 our, and our sports and whatever we're committed to, how much more are we to be vigilant about the gospel and what the gospel means for us? 2 Timothy 3.12 says, uh, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's basically written as a promise that if you're a Christian and you want to live a godly life, you will be persecuted. He says it like, he doesn't say some Christians will be persecuted. He says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It's a a truth. It's a fact. And, you know, not all of us will be persecuted outright. You know, no one, I don't know if anyone here that gets beat up because they confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But this is a truth for all believers, whether it's subliminally, uh, explicitly, whether it's covertly, overtly, all of us feel the pressure to denounce Christ. All of us feel the pressure to be shamed if we confess Christ in certain areas. And my exhortation for you guys today is do not be ashamed. You know, when, when people ask you, hey, what do you believe? Share what you believe. Be bold in proclaiming the gospel because we know that, yeah, you might experience persecution and shame at this time. But we know that at the end, we will not be ashamed. We know that in the end, the gospel will stand firm, will stand true, and it is not something that will dissolve or fade away. You know, my hope is that, you know, when you guys see me, you guys think of the Acura Integra, and you think, man, that's something that's really embarrassing. He thought it was cool, and it's embarrassing now. But I hope that allows you to remember the opposite that is true with the gospel. That the gospel might be difficult, there might be opposition today, but you will experience uh, 
validation that it'll be worth it in the end because we know who we believe and it's God and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you um, for the life that you've given us, God, that not only have you called us and saved us, but you've given us this one life to live for you, God. And, you know, you never promised in your word that this life was comfortable, would be comfortable, would be easy, or that we would just always succeed. But here, your word is clear that all who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. God, so we don't hold on to a life of convenience. We don't hold on to a life of success. But we want to hold on to the gospel. And we want to hold on to proclaiming and living for this gospel every single day. Lord, I pray that you would give courage to all my brothers and sisters here. God, when they go to work, when they're with their friends, or in any opportunity, God, that the gospel would, uh, would not, we would not be ashamed of the gospel, but that we would proclaim it. Uh, from our hearts and our lips and with our lives. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, as we get into a time-